All right, Crypt Nation, we are back with another episode of The Weekly Fire. This is episode 23, I believe. Can you believe it? It's like freaking time has flown. That is amazing. <laughs> I, this is honestly one of my favorite shows to do of all the different things that we've done. It really is, uh, there's no rules here, and I like that. Yeah, hell yeah. No rules, uh, no parents, no rules. That's right. <laughs> Kids, put your parents to bed. It's time to get real. Guys, this uh, this episode of the Weekly Fire is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Cog Network. Cog Network is geared for games. Guys, go to cog.network to learn more. Absolutely. Cog has been a great supporter of us. And uh, if you would like to support us as well, well, we want to support you. So we're giving you access to our portfolio for just a dollar. You can learn everything that we're involved in, all the moves we're making, all the wonderful, uh, helpful guides that we've put together. Mm-hmm. You get all that just for a dollar. That's exactly right, Pete. Just go to Crypto101Insider.com to find out more. Basically, this is where we deliver our exclusive market analysis um, and our exclusive picks and uh, all sorts of different stuff, guys. Just go to Crypto101Insider.com to learn more. That's right. If you like our market weather report and our Hot or Not segment, that's have, just a little teaser. That's just a little <laughs> teaser. We actually have an hour call that we do every week with our lifetime members, walking them through the hottest coin of the week, the fundamentals, the technical analysis, everything. So enjoy the appetizer. But if you want the main course, go to Crypto101Insider.com. Do you have a friend who's interested in getting into cryptocurrency, but they don't know where to start building their portfolio? Well, we have the answer. It's called Copy Trader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders, just like myself or Bryce or Kevin, at the exact price point and in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply just sign up and copy our trades. Any profits that we make, you do too. Proportional to your investment, of course. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. All right. So with that being said, we have our sponsor, Cog Network. That's cog.network. We have Crypto101Insider.com to learn more about what we are doing in the market exactly. And now let's move on to my favorite part of the show, which is the market weather report. So today, um, you know, the, the markets have been doing really well for the last, call it 60 days. Uh, the last two months of price action have been very bullish on altcoins as well as Bitcoin. Uh, but today, the la- uh, last couple days, we've seen a little bit of a faltering in the markets. And it's not necessarily anything that's like a massive structural breakdown. Guys, we're still at the beginning of a new bull market. We've reversed our long-term trends. Um, but we just seen a, a little breather, a slight market reprieve. You know, Bitcoin popped up above 10K. Uh, and then quickly popped back below 10k uh, on Wednesday. It hit as low as I think it was about 9,300. Um, so we're really just trying to let the longer term moving averages catch up. You know, the 50 day and the 200 day. Um, but on a on a different note, I mean, we've had some coins like Tezos that have shown immense strength and Kyber Network, um, which you know a report came out from Binance Research a few weeks ago that said Kyber Network was the most utilized DAP. Uh, 
on the entire Ethereum platform, which is kind of cool. So we can see a lot of actual natural demand for the Kyber token. Uh, Tezos, you know, 80% of the supply is locked up in staking nodes. Um, there's just not a lot of ask side liquidity to that market. So um, just not a lot of sellers, essentially. And people are have been pretty bullish on that. You know, it's following its averages really well. Um, you know, we saw Maker, Maker Dow have a big, big, big pop. Uh, there's lots of rumors going around about uh, a big Maker whale actually trying to corner a vote, which is a very interesting uh, idea that could happen in these crypto markets is that when there's a big network upgrade for proof of stake coins, you know, somebody who really, really wants to control what happens to the upgrade or what votes get uh, proposed and agreed upon, they just accumulate the supply. So, it, you know, crypto is really cool because, I mean, in a, in a sense, it's kind of like an oligopoly or a, a plutocracy where, you know, whoever has the most money kind of controls the governance, um, which is good and bad. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how that unfolds. Maker had a really good pop. Um, but yeah, a lot of these things are starting to slow down just a tight, uh, just a tiny bit. Take a slight breather uh, before we take our next leg up. So, but you know what is not slowing down is Bitcoin's volume. Right. The oh, past two point. or three days, we have hit brand new all-time highs. It's a great point. And the past uh, twenty-four hours, guess what their volume is? Fifty billion. Very close. Forty-eight billion dollars. Just for some context. The peak volume at the 2017 parabolic run, 19 billion. Really? That's it. Damn. Okay. That's so, it. So there's a lot more volume. There's a lot more activity going around in the markets currently. Yeah. Um, so what I'm seeing is not necessarily the markets cooling off, not necessarily interest waning, but there is some massive sell pressure holding these prices down for one more round of accumulation potentially before we skyrocket. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, well, I think what where all this volume is coming from is because now we have all these perpetual swap platforms like Dudex and Bybit. Uh, you know, I see Bitfinex starting to introduce perpetual swaps. Um, all, all these, basically, they're just, you know, leveraged crypto products. So these are new products that three years ago in the bull run in 2017, we just didn't have. And so now, you know, we see these volume numbers that are, you know, two to three times as high as what they were, well, it's really just because we have derivatives now. Um, and so derivatives are a great, you know, a really great vehicle to hedge risk. Um, you know, they're leveraged, they're very, um, you know, difficult to use and all, all sorts of different stuff like that. We're not saying go start playing with derivatives by any means, but for experienced uh, traders, they're really good tools. Um, and so basically what we're saying is that there's a lot of a lot more volume currently, which is a good sign. Also, open interest on BitMEX uh, has been steady above $1 billion, which is its all-time high uh, for open interest, which basically means how much, you know, money is being bet on both sides. Um, and it's not, it's not the same thing as like uh, market depth. Um, it's how much, um, essentially how much money is in these uh, perpetual swaps or these open uh, contracts that are that are open to be settled at some point in the future. So we're seeing lots of open interest. We're seeing new, actually the real volume is uh, the CME, right? The Chicago Mercantile Exchange, um, which is 
the last couple weeks have every week it's a new all-time high new all-time high new all-time high of volume so that's a good sign because that's the stuff that really can't be spoofed you can't wash trade on that so we could really rely on the cme um as and plus the cme now has options and stuff for bitcoin so that's been all really really interesting to watch so kind of long story short we're at this point in the market where we're in a long term uh we're reversing our long term trend uh, but there's still, you know, time to take before, um, you know, the long-term trend is just steadily upwards. There's lots of volatility in that regime shift from bears to bulls. So right now we're just kind of experiencing a little bit of chop. So nothing to be too scared of. Uh, it's great buying opportunity. You guys, be patient. Don't crowd the don't crowd the spread uh, in market buy or place your bids. You know one dollar below the spread or whatever I, I would definitely say you know zoom out take a take a look good long look at you know the daily chart see where some of these levels for attractive prices are and just be patient um you know setting a bid at the 50-day moving average is probably going to be a good bet um so yeah so that that's kind of what we're seeing in the market uh one of the coins i like uh, i've mentioned it on the platform before or on the on the podcast before is you know ocean right this thing's in a really nice uptrend it's a small cap coin um and you know i'm just i'm just looking at this thing right now this chart it's just a really bullish chart um that's available on bitrex uh anything that you've been keeping your eye on pete's that you know besides tezos and uh you know i know you've been talking a lot about ethereum these days and obviously a long-term bitcoin bull but has anything kind of piqued your interest uh, outside of the things that we've been talking about i mean Let's be real. I love my shit coins more than any other human being really should. I've never seen quite a love affair like you and a shit coin. That's true. But uh, I am really, really excited to see Leo, okay. the Bitfinex uh, token, finally posting some uh, green candles. Yeah. After God knows how many weeks of decline. <laughs> so that's that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, my, my good old friend Bax, the Bab. Bab token okay, uh, is coming back from the dead a little bit. It's risen. I think it was down in the 800s for a while, and now it's in the 350s. I think it's already 10x this year, and it's at least got six figures of daily real volume. That's so, amazing. Yeah, and they've, they're finally coming out with their product after working heads down for two years. So Solid. who knows? Maybe, uh, I mean, I've at least broken even at this point <laughs> on my investment. So that's awesome. Uh, so just loosely watching it. I'm also really interested in... Uh, Hedera Hashgraph. Yeah. You know, they, they, they finally, were the biggest gainer last they're week. They're the biggest gainer probably of the year, potentially for anything in the top 200. And, uh, you know, they, they've had a lot of weak hands shaken out. Yeah. And it should be interesting to see how they go forward from here. Yeah. I, again, Mance Harmon, love the guy. Really, uh, really stoked on that project. So, uh, and, you know, we're also watching uh, Cosmos Network, uh, Adam, A-T-O-M, that coin, uh, you know, they've been going through a lot of internal strife uh, with restructuring of their foundation and restructuring of, you know, what companies their LLC uh, holds and all sorts of different kind of stuff. And so price has kind of been falling for the last two months. But this is a project that is very ambitious. And, you know, they got one of the you know best development teams in the world uh, working on inter-blockchain protocols. And they, they call it IBC. And really what they're trying to do is they're trying to connect, you know, all the different blockchains to one another so that you could have value transfers seamlessly 
you know, between, for instance, you know, EOS and Tezos or Ethereum and Bitcoin, all that kind of stuff. So that stuff's really interesting. We're, we're, we're really keeping an eye on that kind of stuff for the long term, uh, good value buying opportunities. But and speaking of good value, I think Ethereum Classic right now is at an excellent value at only just over $9. Yeah. Ethereum Classic is now finally going to have a shot at getting some extra utility as regular Ethereum. The big boy on the block, they're <laughs> under a lot of pressure to evolve and change and scale. And every time they take one more step forward, they break a thousand things. I know, it's crazy. And God bless those ETH researchers, it, man. Yeah, and they, they just can't seem to help it. So it's this collateral damage to try and take a step forward, but it's one step back to get two steps forwards. And everyone that gets left behind during that step, the easiest thing they can do to get back online is migrate to Ethereum Classic. Right. So a lot of the utility from ETH is just dripping, if not pouring, into ETC right now. Yeah, and ETC, guys, I mean, much lower capitalization, market capitalization than Ethereum. Uh, ETC also has, you know, the ticker ETCG, which is the grayscale um, OTC product that people can buy through your normal brokerage account, right? You know, Charles Schwab or, you know, TD Ameritrade. Like, these are actual investment trust funds that hold Ethereum Classic that you can buy, um, you know, through your whatever. Yeah, so, so if, they're, if they see the value in having a fund for Ethereum Classic, that should be a huge green flag for you in the first place. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, that's kind of the weekly weather report. We're in a little, bit of a, a little bit of a stagnancy, but that's no problem. We're at the beginning of a bull market, and this is expected. And, you know, in our newsletter that we send out, if you go to, you know, Crypto101Insider.com and you sign up for, you know, kind of the private Crypt Nation uh, insider group, you know, we send out weekly newsletters as well as, you know, we have got constant updates uh, in our private group and all sorts of stuff. And we, we called this and this wasn't anything that was unexpected. It's in our newsletter uh, saying we were expecting, you know, momentum to slow down a little bit. Things seemed a little overextended. So everybody uh, in the Crypt Nation group is uh, sitting pretty currently. So we're stoked about that. And let's move on to hot or not hot or not. This week's section of Hot or Not is pretty cool. Uh, we have some actual normal, regular, believable numbers back again. So number three in the hot list is Sciacoin raising up 27.5% at a volume of $13 million a day and a market cap of $137 million. Sciacoin's still around. I'm shocked. Yeah. They just came out with uh, Skynet, believe it or not. They, they literally have a product called Skynet, hmm. and it is... Like Filecoin. It's like a decentralized uh, file storage service. Yes, that so. it is. But you can also mine. Uh, I I don't know. You need like a ton of Sciacoin to stake just to prove that you're going to not be a bad actor with this data that's being stored on your system. Yeah. I remember when I first looked at it in 2017, you, need, you needed something like 15, 20 grand USD. Wow. To even participate. So funny story about Sciacoin uh, in I went to Consensus in 2018, and I actually shared an Uber with the founder of Sciacoin, uh, this guy named David. And it was me and David and this other guy named uh, Marshall Long and this other guy named uh, Jeremy Gardner, who's the founder of Augur. And we were all in an Uber together, and I just thought it was so funny. Jeremy had two girls on his lap. <laughs> I mean... Two different girls on his lap in the back of an Uber. I think that really... <laughs> That really highlights uh, the market in 2018 when founders of companies are sharing Ubers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, coming in at number 68, 
uh, or sorry, number two. No, yeah, number two market cap, sixty uh, eighth in market cap relative to the rest of the currencies. Uh, we have Kyber Network ticker KNC. This is a coin I really like. Um, Lloyd Liu has been on the podcast a couple times. Uh, he spoke at the Crypto Twenty Twenty Summit. He's a good friend of ours. They're up twenty eight point seven percent today. Or sorry, this in the last seven days um, on a volume which is impressive fifty four point two million dollars uh out of an 84 million dollar market cap so they traded about they they had a turnover about half their market you know well you know well over half their market cap they turned over in the last seven days which is very very bullish sounds like someone's been listening to your signals yeah exactly uh and and lastly we have wax uh their 97th in market cap ticker is wax uh and these guys uh are up 41 percent which is pretty impressive. I, I I met William Quigley once, who's the founder, and Sam Castle, um, and you know they're basically trying to do a marketplace for video game skins. So imagine you know you're on CS:GO, right, Counter Strike or whatever, or Call of Duty or Fortnite, uh, and you have a skin, then you could make a marketplace for these things and buy and sell across platforms and across uh, video games, right? So if I have a, a, a video game skin on PS4 or Call of Duty, but I want to sell it and get money to buy a skin on Fortnite for my you know PC, I could do that in this Wax Marketplace. So this thing is really cool, actually. Um, it you know does it need its own token? Maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? Does it just it could have it just as easily been a marketplace uh, based on Bitcoin or on the Ethereum token? You know that's up for debate. But regardless. The shit pumping. That, that <laughs> it is. That it is. $2 million of volume on a $46 million market cap. Um, not as much volume as we'd like to see on this move, but regardless, uh, this boosted it uh, into the top 100. It does qualify. And now for the losers. After a 15% drop today alone, EOS comes in number three, losing almost 25% of its value this past mm-hmm. week. Uh, volume is still incredibly high, $3.7 billion in volume on a $3.8 billion market cap. Not like- re- yeah, not really what you want to see. You don't want to see high volume uh, on a dump, right? Like that's unfortunately not a good sign. I think we're going to have to work work ourselves out of this little um, this little bear consolidation here. Yeah, I think EOS still has a very bright future, but uh, it's far ahead of itself. So that had a basically, you know, one to one volume to market cap trading ratio. Mm. But in second place, we have Ethereum Classic, which had a two to one volume Whoa. to market cap ratio. Uh, Ethereum Classic dropped twenty six point eight percent this week uh, on two billion dollars of trading volume, with almost exactly a one billion dollar market cap. So high volume uh, on a big price decline. Uh, it's going to take ourselves a little bit of time to work ourselves out of this. So I'm not necessarily recommending anybody to go out and start to, you know, rebuy these dips immediately because it's going to pump tomorrow. I think it's just going to take a couple weeks before we work ourselves out of this little goalie. Interesting. Interesting. And our biggest loser, as always, was last week's biggest gainer. Yep. Hedera Hashgraph retracing 32% down, $13 million daily volume. Market cap of 150. Yeah, so guys. So at some point they were up over 200 million. Yeah, they were at a 250 market cap when yeah. we reported on it last week. Uh, so 
insanity over there in <laughs> Dallas, Texas right now. God bless those boys. Uh, fire tweets. My One of my personal favorite segments here at, uh, at um, the Weekly Fire. This is where we talk about the best tweet of the week. Sometimes we have two. Sometimes we have three. But today we have one. Uh, this is Alex Gladstein at Glad, G-L-A-D, Steen, S-T-E-I-N. Uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, amazing guy. He wrote uh, the Little Bitcoin book, or he was one of the Part co-authors of, of that. Uh, guys, he tweeted on February 17th, we've never seen anything like this before, referring to Bitcoin. An asset that cannot be censored by authorities, cannot be devalued by governments, cannot be monopolized by corporations, cannot be easily mass surveilled, cannot be stopped by borders, can be accessed by anyone. It is very true. Um, Alex is an incredible guy. He speaks at all kinds of Bitcoin conferences, and he really has his ear to the ground uh, in these uh, regions of the world that have a lot of turmoil and trouble mm -hmm. and just how Bitcoin is impacting uh, society over there. So, Alex, thank you for all your good work. Keep being a great evangelist. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, moving into Scorched Earth now. Yes, Scorched Earth is a segment, as you guys who have uh, been avid listeners of the Weekly Fire for the last few months know, Scorched Earth is a segment where we talk about times that, you know, we've been burned. Uh, and in crypto, a lot of the times, you know, the markets are volatile and there's all sorts of different, uh, you know, it's, it's the wild, wild west. People get burned. People get scammed. It's a lot of craziness. So we're here to share stories from our life or from our friends' lives just to help you understand, you know, what kind of crazy shit is going on out there. Um, and this week, uh, I want to bring up a story uh, from one of our uh, Crypt Nation members who fell into the classic trap of panic selling at the ideal moment to be buying. Uh, so this happened, and basically, uh, you know, the market kind of took a little dip. We were at $10,400 per Bitcoin, and it quickly dumped uh, in about two or three hours. Uh, this was last week, all the way down uh, into the to the mid-95, 9,400 range. Uh, it took stayed down there for a little while and popped back up. And we had one of our members say, like, look, you know, I sold everything. Uh, I was really scared. You know, my I saw my portfolio drop by a few thousand dollars in just a few hours. And I just wanted to protect myself and uh, make sure that, you know, things were okay on my end. But then, what you know, what happens? I wake up in the morning and the market is right back to where I was at if I was break even. I shouldn't have sold. What did I do wrong? All that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm just like, this is a classic case. Like, Pizza Mind, how many times have you heard that kind of story? A billion. A billion. Literally, this stuff happens. And, and really, the, when it comes down to it, the, there, there's some type of analysis, you know, psychoanalysis that you need to do upon yourself. This gentleman or lady was too 
not even that they were too leveraged, but they had too much money in the market, uh, more than they could afford to lose. So they have this visceral, emotional, fearful reaction uh, where they think if if they don't sell, their life could be over. If they don't, um, you know, close out this trade, then the worst case scenario. And so they have emotion in the market, and there should never be emotion attached to any of these trades. You should have no bias. Um, you know, meaning you never, you know, marry a coin thinking it's the future, uh, for sure. You have to take these trades as they come. Uh, is it at support and is it holding? Uh, yes. Okay. Then that should be a good buying opportunity or is it at resistance and it can't break through? Yes. Okay. Then that should be a good selling opportunity. But you know, sometimes people just sell directly into support because they think that, oh, well, if this support breaks, um, you know, then I'm going to be broke and all this kind of stuff. So kind of the, the, the lesson here is that whenever the best time to buy is, is going to be the time that your gut tells you you should be selling. And it's such an oxymoronic feeling because uh, I've been in the situation every time and I've had to learn to counter trade myself where when my stomach's in the pits and I feel, oh my God, this has been a terrible day uh, or a terrible week, you know, that's generally, you know, if I look back and I back test that strategy or look historically at the charts, those are oftentimes, you know, the best risk reward opportunity. Um, so, cause really what's happening is you have these short term traders that, you know, are catching onto the momentum too late. They're catching onto short term momentum a little too late and selling into the bids of long term investors. So really the best way to combat this fear of missing out or this fear of loss um, is by just setting bids at, you know, strong historical support levels. And even if, you know, like we, we tweeted out or not tweeted out in our private newsletter, we tweeted out, well, I keep saying tweeted out. It's not tweeted out. We sent out a, uh, buy zone of like 9,200 bucks, even though the price was at 90 or at, oh, it was already at 10, four. And people were like, I don't get it. The price is at 10, four. How are we going to buy it at 92? I'm like, well, we're expecting the price to come down to that. Well, oh my God, it will never come down to that. That's 10%. What the heck? I'm like, guys, you, you, you don't know these markets. Like they, they fall 10% in an hour sometimes, 20% an hour. Like this is where the market should come down to. This is where there's liquidity. There's more likelihood for it to come down here rather than go up to 15K overnight. Like you're, you're, you need to look and play risk reward opportunities. So the best way to remedy this, this, this bad impatience is A, don't invest more than you can afford to lose and definitely don't be investing an amount that makes you fearful if you lose it. Like that makes you a bad trader and a bad investor. And secondly, just place bids um, that are, you know, five to seven to 10, you know, stagger your bids below the spread um, at a 50-day moving average or at a 20-day moving average, whatever it is, just have a system in place and don't just go off your gut because your gut's going to be wrong if you're a novice investor. Um, and then thirdly, have your sell targets in order. I was talking to another member of Crypt Nation the other day and it was so inspiring and just awesome. And I'm like, so proud of him because he's like, look, I caught this, uh, I caught your bid when you told me to buy it, uh, you know, uh, Kyber Network. And then I, I caught your sell order. Your first sell order recommendation was at X price. Um, and that hit. And then right after it hit, it started to fall back down. I'm like, yes, that's because I tell you guys, you know, here's your sell order. Uh, you, where I expect resistance and other market sellers to come in based on historical resistances. So 
you just go and you know have your sell order right around there. So he listened and he he's starting to understand. So that's kind of my story of scorched earth is that you shouldn't be panic selling uh, because if you feel that in your gut, oh my gosh, it's terrible. I'm going to lose everything right at the beginning of a bull market, right at the beginning of a bull market. Um, that's the ideal moment to be buying. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Pete's of mine to take on smoke and mirrors. Pete's, for those who are just listening for the first time, what the heck is Smoke and Mirrors and what are we talking about this week? Smoke and Mirrors is a friendly little debate that we have <laughs> where uh, we're going to take two different sides of a topic and discuss it from opposing angles. So this week's topic is IOTA. IOTA recently was the victim of an attack on their network. Again. That, again. <laughs> that caused them to literally pause their blockchain. Oh, God. Now, if a system is decentralized, you shouldn't be able to do this. Technically, physically, like at all. There should it just be, should be impossible. It should be impossible. Nobody could go to Bitcoin and say to the CEO of Bitcoin, A, there's no CEO of Bitcoin. Um, but you, you you shouldn't be yeah. able to just say, wait, pause. Yeah. I made a I I sent it to the wrong wallet. Could you redo that? There's no hold on in a decentralized network. The other thing about IOTA is it doesn't run a blockchain. It runs a DAG. And the way this thing works is almost like a nuclear reactor where it has to spin up and have more and more and more transactions as it gains speed. And they've been working at this thing for years to try and get it up to speed where they can remove their centralized part of it called the coordinator. That's right. So they had been phasing that out uh, over the past few months until this happened. And apparently, apparently it's still there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the question. Is it good or bad to not be completely 100% decentralized like Bitcoin? So, you know, to play devil's advocate, uh, since you always need to have a debate in a Mm -hmm. good podcast, you can't just all be taking the same side. I'll present uh, the case for the centralization is good and beneficial so i think first off if you look at systems in the world uh most systems in history have tended towards centralization look at the democracy that we have right now in theory it's called a democracy where we elect representatives but we have a central figurehead called the president right that is a a single point of failure in essence it's a centralization if you look at you know a police department or a fire department, you have a chief, you have a captain, you have leaders or central figures that you know dictate how information flows from top to bottom and bottom up, right? You have these figures. Look at um, a human body. You have a central nervous system, right? <laughs> Look at a spider. Uh, a spider has a little body in the middle with all the intestines and all the normal stuff and then legs on the outskirt. Like things are just tend towards a central uh, point. Um, and so blockchain is almost unnatural in the sense that it is a distributed system um, and a decentralized system. But when perfected, decentralization is so, 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 so much more robust. Um, but you know, blockchain still figuring itself out. So in, in that sense, you know, IOTA had this hack, you know, somebody, you know, some malicious actor, 
uh, found a vulnerability in their Trinity wallet, which is, you know, their proprietary wallet or whatever that stores these IOTA tokens and found a way to siphon a bunch of money. Um, and effectively, they were going to take those IOTA tokens and sell them on the open market and crash the price um, and double spend them and just F over the whole network. Um, but in IOTA's system, they realized that, you know, hey, we're still a new currency. There's still, you know, potential bugs that we don't know about and you don't know what you don't know. So we're going to have this recourse, this ability to pause our network uh, if we think it's best. And so they thought it was best and they tried to prevent uh, too much damage and too much collateral damage, basically, to other holders of this network. And, you know, is that um, philosophically in line with how I think things should go? No, I think it should be survival of the fittest. Um, if your code sucks, and again, they invented their own cryptography, which has been proven time and time again, you know, the tangle and all their different uh, hash functions that they tried to invent have tons of holes and weaknesses in them. So I think survival of the fittest should dictate this this company and this you know protocol should be laid to rest. And if there's exploitations, then exploit them and on to the next one. Let's find a better system that we could build the future of the financial world on. But you know, look at a company like Ripple, right? They've issued their XRP token. It would be insane if Ripple, you know, who is currently going through a, a securities class action lawsuit against you know the illegal issuance of a pseudo security was it is it is it uh you know who's gonna win that nobody knows all that kind of stuff but case in point is like you know if i'm a company if i'm an enterprise if i'm a bank and i'm using xrp and something you know a catastrophe happens i'm gonna want to go to ripple and say hey dude these million uh, XRP tokens just got lost in this transaction. Where'd they go? I mistyped an address. Is there any sort of recourse? So bottom line is that, you know, even though crypto and Bitcoin is all about decentralization and taking powers away from government bodies and central clearinghouses and, you know, you know, centralized points of authority, there still needs to be a little bit of a transition period. And I think that's just what we're in right now. So kind of bottom line, did they do the right thing? I, you know, who knows? We're in a transition point. Centralization is still an aspect. They flexed that power. They limited damage to consumers. Did they do the right thing? Sure. I'll take that side, Pete. Kind of in short, what do you think? One of the biggest bones that I have to pick with the way development is done these days is instead of properly quality checking everything, they simply just put out version one or 0.1 with all its bugs, all its flaws, all its terrible user experience. And the people that were once excited about the concept that was being built are all turned off with the exception of a small handful of other developers that work to actually bug check and fix this stuff. All this new cutting edge stuff ought to be left in testnet for years and stress tested. It ought to be put through the ringer. You should have hackathons all over the world and really, really put it to its maximum limits before ever releasing it to the public and allowing people to invest their hard earned money into it. I mean, we see the problems that happen even when windows comes out with something. Yeah. And then a week later they have to issue a critical update. Yeah. It's Patches. just terrible. It's just an absolute terrible experience for the users. 
I know that that's just what people are used to. And they're saying, well, we can't just put in all this work and not release anything. We need to make money. Look, you guys have ICO'd, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> Hire a, a shitload of developers, a shitload of testers, and have some patience. IOTA is supposed to be this thing that smart cities are running on, like their underlying infrastructure. Yeah. Like this is supposed to be as revolutionary as streetlights in the future. <laughs> yeah. No, like it's, seriously. you should probably test that. Like before deploying a hundred thousand streetlights, shouldn't you check the bulbs, make sure they don't explode or catch fire? Yeah. I mean, this is a company that has announced, you know, IOTA, right? This is a company that has announced partnerships with Jaguar to give these, you know, you know, to be on the cutting edge of their self-driving car uh, initiatives and be able to give these self-driving cars, you know, wallets and digital identities so that they could, you know, drive themselves to the gas station and fill up themselves uh, with, you know, IOTA tokens and basically all this kind of stuff. So it's just really interesting to see that, you know, there's all these promises and all these, um, you know, perhaps smoke and mirrors that are now kind of being shown for the illusion that they are. Yeah, and these things are possible someday. But a lot of these cutting edge technologies like IOTA and so many others are really going to need another 10 years to really be mature. Right. And until then, just call yourselves what you are on a test net <laughs> where all these things can be forgiven. And don't try and, you know, say that you're a decentralized network when you're really not. Yeah. So that's our smoke and mirrors debate. Tell us what you think. Tag us on Twitter if you thought that was interesting. Uh, and all, as always, guys, tag us. You know, 24-7 on Twitter. We're always out there. Join Crypto101Insider.com to continue to join these discussions. And lastly, we're just going to touch on a a, a a couple news items that uh, passed through our desk this week. And the first one that I thought was far and away the most profound uh, was that both President Trump and uh, presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg have started to address crypto regulation uh, in the mainstream. So I, I think this is just a huge nod towards our industry, uh, a huge you know validation, if you will, that this is a serious industry. Sure, we're only a 10-year-old industry, but this stuff is so disruptive that it needs uh, regulation. It needs, um, you know presidential debate like the fact that this stuff like that president trump literally is saying cryptocurrency and bitcoin and that presidential nominee uh michael bloomberg is saying cryptocurrency and bitcoin it puts it in the mind of 350 million americans right like and beyond that the rest of the world is watching this so the fact that they're going to be discussing how to regulate cryptocurrency how to tax it if they should tax it, for instance, uh, President Donald Trump is more on the side of, and his whole you know Republican camp is more on the side of, hey, hands off deregulation. Uh, let's you know make sure that this uh, stuff is you know you know taxed fairly, if at all. Uh, and also, there's plenty of regulatory uh, sandboxes and experimental phases uh, that this thing could go to 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 ensure that America stays on top of innovation and to make sure that America stays friendly and, uh, you know, ahead of the curve. And then kind of on the other side, from what I've read, uh, is that, you know, you know, the Democratic side, uh, Michael Bloomberg, his whole camp, and some of the other nominees 
are more or less talking about, hey, let's bring back centralization of financial information. Uh, let's have, you know, little to no financial privacy. Let's take a look at how we can, uh, you know, tax every single transaction. You know, Michael Bloomberg saying, I think he, he says that every single transaction, you know, crypto and outside of crypto should have a tax on it. And there's just all sorts of different crazy things. I saw Donald Trump uh, put out a, a, um, a memo. He's proposing a vehicle, kind of like an IRA, but it's not an IRA, but it's basically a tax-free investment vehicle to incentivize people to invest in the stock market and alternative assets and all that kind of stuff, basically to stimulate more investment in the American economy. And so we're seeing stuff like that, more stimulation, more growth come out of the Republican camp and a little bit more centralization clamp down on the Democratic side. But needless to say, it's interesting to see how these debates are, are going and that Bitcoin and crypto are in the mouth of, you know, two of the potentially most important men in the world. How far we've come in just a short amount of time. Truly, man. And then the other big portion of news was what you were looking at. Yeah. So uh, Visa has granted Coinbase the power to issue Bitcoin debit cards in the UK and Europe to start at least. But yes, that's right. So uh, the crypto.com cards are also powered by Visa. You can use them in the United States, but they're like prepaid debit cards. So it should be really interesting to see what Coinbase's Bitcoin debit cards are like. Uh, I will definitely be recommending some of my friends to get one pretty soon here and let me know uh, how they are. Yeah. And then we'll pass that information along to you guys. So the world is definitely moving forward. Yes, I'm excited to see, um, you know, the Europe, uh, the European nations and the UK uh, kind of tinker around with a, a, a debit card directly being, you know, having their Coinbase account debited. So, you know, you have $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, you can spend $1,000 worth of stuff at anywhere that accepts Visa. So that's pretty cool. That's a big step, making crypto more spendable. Not entirely sure um, why America or, you know, other Asian countries uh, haven't been approved for this. So we'll have to look into that. I 99% sure it's going to be because of, you know, tax regulations and stuff that are unclear at this point. Uh, but that being said, uh, a lot of development is happening. And guys, it's always time to celebrate. We're in the uh, the beginning of a big old bull market. So I hope you enjoyed episode 23 of the Weekly Fire. We will be back on Monday with another smash hit episode, uh, an interview as always. And then uh, this is our new schedule. Mondays are interviews. Thursdays are weekly fire. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.